You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 251. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you? I'm good, but I'm tired. You're tired? I've been traveling all week. Uh, so uh, this is the first I've been home since last weekend. So, Well, that's not good. Yeah. Well, you've got to do it sometimes. It's going to be like this for the next few weeks, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, living out of a suitcase. Um, I know the feeling. But at least I get... I, yeah, I'm sure you do. I know you. Well, in fact, I know you do. But uh, <laughs> I am taking the opportunity to catch up on things that I don't normally get to do at home. like Video games. Uh, play on video games yeah dude you know what you should do you should buy one of these uh usb um nes controllers yeah you know i thought about that you uh, could play it on your old computer them. yeah the problem is um a lot of these a lot of the tvs and that kind of hotels i stay they've locked out the controls let you switch the source so you can't actually use them on the use things on the TV because I often want to plug my iPad into the TV so I can watch video. I've got my iPad on on the TV, but uh, yeah, I've, it's hit and miss here whether about whether the TVs in the rooms will let you do that or not. Yeah, but from what I'm talking about, you plug in your USB NES controller to your computer and you could play NES games right on your Mac. Oh right, I see what you mean. Yeah, that, I, that might be worth doing. I have, I actually have a whole load of games from good old games, like old PC games that I've been looking at, and I was playing Command and Conquer the other day and uh, things like that. I must, I, in fact, I was thinking stuff. I need to get a decent USB joystick so I can play, um, you know, stuff like Wing Commander and X Wing and things like that, which I really like, which I haven't played for many, many years. Well, uh, hold on a minute. Uh, okay, the person I was trying to. Uh get a hold of is in philadelphia so um frankly now, now he's now there? now he's gonna keep texting me i'll, I'll just say it was guy Searle. Right. yeah uh hold on a minute uh, there we go um the reason that i was bringing this up and i've got a solution for you by the way for your usb okay. issue um okay I'm, I've been playing, uh, you know, I talked about playing uh, the football game on the uh, NES emulator Nestopia. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I've got in the show notes, and I was going to get to it later, but I might as well get to it right now, is did you know that people are still creating games for the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment I System? I did not know that. They are. Um, I, I Yeah, I read this and I, I thought, whoa. This is really interesting, but there's a whole whole mess of legal stuff that there's going to be a problem here. I can see. Uh, I, I don't know where. Nintendo is not really the sort of company that normally turns a blind eye, but um, guess people are doing it. It's very interesting. Uh, he's now he's trying to call. Uh, of course he is, because he's assuming something major is going on. Hmm. Uh, okay, there. So anyway, so yeah, yeah. So, so there's a whole news. homebrew community, and I was on Facebook earlier today, and in the trending news was uh, big trouble in Little China Town, which I thought well, that's an old movie from the '80s, which kind of goofy and silly. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would enjoy it now. I'm. It's. I think yeah, it's I've dated. I remember enjoying it at the time. Mm -hmm. I suspect it's probably quite racist. 
<laughs> by modern standards. I would imagine um, so, but yeah, and, and, the, and it's one of those movies. I, I went, in fact, when I saw this story, I was trying to think back to it. I I always confuse the plot of it with the plot of the Golden Child, which was a very very similar movie. Yeah. Well, Big <laughs> yeah. China, the little this Kurt Russell movie was a lot better than Golden Child by far. Yeah. But yeah. that being said. Uh, the reason it was trending is because someone made a homebrew NES game based on that movie. And so I was kind of curious. I, ki- I clicked the link and I followed it over to this SD page. Now, SD is a site, for those who don't know, where people can kind of sell their own wares. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, homemade stuff. A lot of it is, to be honest, uh, copyright material that people... Someone might make like Batman earrings or something. And could they get in trouble? Sure. But most companies very, leave yeah. people alone for that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's very um, very crafty orientated on Etsy. But here's NES games. This guy will sell you for 40 bucks, Big Trouble in Little China for the NES, in an actual NES cart w- with the chip in it and everything. You plug it into the NES and play it just like it's a brand new game because it is a brand new game. But what was kind of cool so here was that he also made the ROM available to download for free. Yeah. So you could buy the game for 40 bucks, or you could just download it and play it in emulation. So what is, is, is he hacking an, a different game? Is he replacing the, the, the media in a different game to make this game work? Or that I don't know. I didn't read into it. I, I didn't read into it enough to because he calls himself a hacker that he hacks stuff. Yeah. So that could be the case. I don't know. I don't know every NES game by heart, so I can't tell if, oh, this is just the layout of such and such game and different sprites. Um, But I did download it, and I played the first level, and it's quite good, actually. I was kind of impressed. For I mean, it's an NES game. I'm amazed by the stuff this guy has on here. I'm just looking through. He has has a Sherlock game Mm -hmm. with Benedict Cumberbatch in it. (laughs) He has... um, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Freddy versus Jason. He has a game on based on Titanic. But I think all of those, he doesn't have the ROM available. You have to buy it. So I don't know if his thing is, you know, when I first release it, you can download the ROM as well. To me, it would make right, sense, yeah. especially if he's hacking. Make that ROM available, because if, if you don't, you're selling, you know, hacked games. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at this SD page and he's got a lot of stuff and they're all yeah. 40 bucks. But for this, I, you know, I just went and, and, uh, downloaded the ROM and was playing it on my Mac and it works. And I'll, and by the way, I will put a link into, uh, the show notes for this game. So if you want to download this ROM and play it on your Mac or PC, go for it. Cool. So getting back to your USB controller thing, yeah. One of the things that I'm actually playing through and reviewing for MyMac.com is uh, a, Lego, a new Lego game. It's uh, Lego Marvel okay. Avengers. And okay. so far, it's pretty good. I've got it on the PS3. The The kids and my wife yeah. play it on the PS3. I played a little bit of it on the, play, on the uh, PlayStation 3, um, but not a lot. So I'm kind of going into this game a little bit fresh. Occasionally I'll get stuck at a part and Cole will go, oh, you got to do this and this. Okay, thank you. It's great when the eight-year-old tells you how to get past the level. (laughs) Kind of emasculating a little bit there. So I'm playing through the game, and it's a lot of fun. But when I first tried to play it, it would not recognize 
one of my USB controllers. In this case, uh, a Steel Series USB right. flight stick, which is basically like a oh an, an Xbox. Well, actually, it's more like a PS3 controller, and mm-hmm. it recognized it. I should say, but it wouldn't let me change the settings enough to be useful. Every time I would try to, when you first plug it in, it says, oh, you have to assign a map button. And every button that I knew that wasn't assigned to something, if I changed it to that, it would screw up the other choices. And it was an endless loop. I could never get past it, so I couldn't play the game. And I'm not going to play a game like that using a keyboard. A lot of people could do that. I can't. So I thought, well, that kind of sucks. And he, I sent the uh, the PR guy an email telling him what the problem was, that I'd really like to review the game, but it's not recognized in my controller. And he asked if I'm using an Xbox 360 USB controller because it works. And he sent me a link to the new drivers, which will also work with Yosemite. And I do have an Xbox 360 USB controller. I use it for my main machine a lot. So I plugged that in, downloaded the drivers, and guess what? It saw it. It worked. I didn't have to configure anything. It just worked right out of the box. Cool. So that might be something you want to look at. The Xbox 360 controller for PC is a really, really good controller. I mean, it's really fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, to be, I have, a, I have a, I have like a like a cheap um, USB controller that is modeled on the Xbox 360, and I I tried to use that this week. But one of the problems with these old games is that they, um, a lot of them are running in the DOS box, and to try and get joystick support to go through the PC drivers to the DOS box drivers and then work effectively is really it, it's, it's tricky. Well, it, it's an art. It's a tricky art. It's an art that's lost on me. Well, the first thing you have to do is get that to work with the Mac. The Mac has to recognize that that controller is there and what it is. And once that's yeah. done, it's a lot easier to configure it within. You know, uh, yeah. What, what was the name of the program again? Uh, I use Boxer. Yeah, Boxer is a graphical yeah, front I, end. I, yeah, I, I unfortunately I, I'm playing these games on PC because I don't I don't have I have my work PC with me. I yeah. have my laptop work laptop, so I don't I can't carry a Mac with me as well. Um, and of course, all all these things would be easier on a Mac. Um, and uh, but mm. also as well, some of these DOSBox games aren't terribly well supported on on the the mac version right you know if you try and, if you try and get them running in a dos window even box or something like that on the mac version they don't tend to work as well command and they, cocker doesn't work for me at all no i mean this, this is I'm, I'm playing that um I, in fact that i'm playing the uh the lost decade edition yeah. which is then somebody somebody's done a patch for that that allows it to run on windows 10 so well i'm playing um, i've been playing uh warcraft 2 yeah and it, it works fine. Of course, that's a keyboard game, mouse and keyboard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm con- Commander Conquer as well, but yep. um, but I I really like flight sim, so a uh, space flight sim. So I'd really like to play those. And and those are the sort of games where if you have an hour, an hour and a half, you can actually make some progress. One of the problems with Commander Conquer is you can spend forty five minutes playing it, and then you lose the level, and you've got to start again. <laughs> Same thing with so, Warcraft Two. I mean, yeah. Although the funny thing is, I blew through the entire Warcraft Two game in a day. Right. Um, you know, you got to know where the bad guys are, and I haven't played this game in twenty years. But as soon as the level started, I was like, oh, "Okay, the bad guys are going to be up in the upper right hand corner." I remember that, and they're going to keep attacking me right here. So I'll build up my towers right here and hold them off until you know. 
I remembered because I played the crap out of that game 20 years ago. But that being said, for those who have a Mac and are not happy with the selection of USB game controllers, look at the, the Xbox 360 controller for the Mac. Um, yeah. It, it absolutely works. It will also work with the 360. Um, yeah. But it, it works. I might, I, might, I might try and pick one of those up. It's not cheap. Uh, the other... Yeah. The other problem I find, though, with, with those sorts of controllers is that um, these older games were designed to be played with a full-size joystick. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're trying to control, you know, kind of a, what's meant to be something flying like a spaceship or something like that with a little thumbstick, it's really also kind of tricky. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're, the controls aren't very sensitive because they were expecting you to be doing big movements and trying to do that on a, on a little thumbstick is also sometimes challenging but I'll have a look at that and uh, give it a go sorry I'm trying maybe to get the dogs to be quiet maybe I can pick one up on eBay possibility I mean they, I, I can't believe they would be very expensive at this point not a lot of people play flight sim type games you know what I yeah. mean yeah, it, no, it's they, not the popular thing anymore. I mean, at one no. point, flight sims were... They were huge. Every store you went into that sold games, you'd see a whole row of flight sims. Yeah. Hmm. And now now nobody plays them. They even don't. On, even on the consoles, you don't see them that often. Not very often, no. So, usually when we go into an episode of Tech Fan... I don't know what the name of the episode is even going to be because sometimes we go so far off our show notes that the show becomes something totally different than what either David or I thought it would be. Um, not the case this time. I already know what the name of this episode is going to be. And it's going to be called Trust. And yeah. trust is something that's very important. you got to have trust in your relationship. you got to have trust in, hopefully, your government that they're going to do the right thing for you. In an election, you have to trust one of the candidates or multiple candidates and who you're going to pick. Uh, you have to have trust in the equipment that you're using, your car, your furnace, your hot water heater, and in your technology. And increasingly, David, I'm getting, I'm feeling less and less trust in some of the technologies that are out there. And in this case, what we specifically want to talk about is trust in some of these home appliance smart connected devices that yeah. are sold to us with the understanding of, oh, you could control it with your phone, with your computer, with your iPad, your Android device, your Windows machine. They're, they're intelligent. You can control them that way kind of remotely. So as a, for instance, if you're at work and you're heading home, uh, you could turn on the air conditioning at home or you could set up a, a, system so that in the middle of the night the heat goes way down because you don't want to keep heating the house when you're asleep that doesn't make sense but you can also have the heat kick on about a half hour before you wake up so your house is nice and warm by the time you're getting out of bed really smart things like that uh, and i think we're just kind of scratching the surface of what a smart home could really be the problem david is a lot of these smart systems and smart s devices rely on a central network to work. And I'm not talking about your home Wi-Fi network because if that goes down, well, it just it goes down. I'm talking about a central server that a company owns and maintains that literally everything goes through their systems before it does anything on yours. 
that that's what makes the use the consumer experience easy. If if you bought one of these things and it said, right, now you need to get a PC and you need to put this software in it, and you need to connect it to your uh, your internet connection and it needs to be running all the time, people nobody would do that. Right. But what they want the you if you want your smartphone to talk to that box at home, it has to have some way of getting to that box and normally the the easiest way to do that is for the company supplies it to act as a piece of middleware and basically route your communications between your phone and your device and vice versa and then they they often have a web portal that lets you see other things and you can add other um, devices to your network and allow them to talk to each other and they basically do all of that for you well on yahoo tech there was an article that i read and that led me over to a business insider article as well that really kind of ticked me off and, and opened my eyes to the pitfalls of, of having a smart connected device. Like, for instance, what this person on Yahoo Tech was talking about. And I'm just going to read uh, two very small paragraphs. He wrote, and I'm sorry, I don't have the writer's name here in front of me. Um, I can get it because I think it's kind it's of... Rob, Rob, Rob Price. Rob Price. So he wrote, a few months ago, I pronounced an internet-connected smart refrigerator a bad deal because nobody could count on this Samsung fridge getting software upgrades and online services for the next 15 years. A serious risk considering all of the reports about smart home devices being jammed or hacked. That concern now seems borderline persnickety when we're looking at an Internet of Things device getting tossed in a big bucket less than two years after it goes off sale. We wanted self-aware home gadgets, and instead we're getting self-destructing ones. Now let's let's think about that for a minute. A refrigerator is something that you buy that you should count on working for 10, 15, 20 years before you have to replace it. It's a refrigerator. You don't upgrade a refrigerator every year, David. Well, uh, I think the problem is manufacturers would like you to do that. But nobody's going to. No, it, that's well, not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, a refrigerator is a very expensive um, item that you can't just go to the store and buy and bring home. I mean, unless you've got a pickup truck and a couple of people to help you, number one, you can't do that. And plus, what do you do with your old one? It's not like you can hand down your refrigerator to your kid. So a refrigerator is a long-term purchase. And a good one's going to cost you a couple grand. And these new internet-connected ones are even more expensive. They got touchscreens on them, and you can control them with your phone, and they're they're pretty slick. Except, can you trust them? That's well, the you, question. You, you've, you've got trust on a multiple little levels there. If you've got somebody acting as a um, a middleware provider, you've got to trust to make sure they protect you, that they don't get hacked, that they've got the right levels of security. Uh, and those sort of thing, and then you've got to trust them to keep supporting you, uh, keep their system in place. They are part of the solution. I, I think that's what a lot of these manufacturers fail to realise when they sell these things to you, is that if they operate something at the back end for you, then they are part of the solution that you pay for and buy. Yep. And consequently, when they decide to stop stop doing that anymore, that's like them taking part of the thing you bought and saying, "Oh yeah, well you're, this bit's broken; it's never going to work again." But it's not um, just that; it's it's in this case, your refrigerator completely would stop working completely. It just it's a brick at this point; it doesn't even turn well, that, on anymore. Well, that depends on exactly what they've got on there. Um, well, but see, that's I'm the gonna... that's the issue, David. 
do the consumers know when you buy a product like this? And there's precedence for this. And the precedence is uh, a company that Google's Alphabet bought that was a connected device uh, called the Revolve. It was a smart home hub Yep. that they stopped selling them two years ago. This was a $300 device. Two, two years ago, they stopped selling them because they got bought out by Google. Well, yeah, and they got put in the Nest division, which exactly. is Tony Fidel's, uh, the supposed father of the iPod. Uh, he's the guy who died, who started his own company doing smart thermostats and smart smoke alarms and stuff like that that Google also bought. So they kind of got smushed together. Yep, and it was uh, more of a, a, an acquisition for the talent, not necessarily the technologies that they are, were already selling or this product. So an acquire. Yep. So they buy this company. Two years after you would have bought your device, David, they turn off support for it. Now, when I say support, I don't mean, well, if something happens, they're not going to help you anymore. Or your warranty is void because it only had a one-year warranty anyways. So when I say support, I mean they literally turned off the servers, which turns this device into a brick. So a brick. Yeah. It's nothing. It, yeah. it You could turn it on. It's not going to do anything because it can't communicate anymore. So your smart home device is a brick is nothing yeah. now in th- in this case you could argue that this is even less forgivable than if something somebody like samsung does this with what if you if samsung sells you an internet connected fridge and then after a few years they stop supporting it properly you could argue that well you know people who buy Samsung or LG or uh, insert other big appliance manufacturer here know that these guys are big corporates and and it's all little divisions and sometimes divisions disappear and all that sort of thing. You know anybody who's bought a, a as an example a TV from Samsung or from somebody else knows that sometimes after a few years things either change or they stop working or the services withdrawn or something like that. Um, the difference with with what happened with Revolve is that. They were acquired by another technical company in the same business. Yep. And within two years, the service was shut down. You know, and this is a company that, let's face it, we know has money to burn. And and, and that's, it it can't be a financial decision because we know, like you just said, they've got the money. So why would they intentionally turn these products off? And and, And this is Nest, which is owned by Google. So ultimately, these are Google decisions. So let's... Let's take so, well, the, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm assuming with Revolve, you kind of assume that, that the decision to do that came from inside Nest, and and there's been a lot of uh, press in the last few weeks about Tony Fidel, who runs Nest, who apparently, um, by all accounts, is he's got a lot of Steve Jobs' worst character traits with none of his talents or fewer of his talents, and apparently he's not very nice to work for, and he does a lot of dictatorial. Uh, with the emphasis on the DIC in that uh, decision making, so it could well be that this is just him him saying, "Oh well, you know, I mean, who knows how many people bought that thing?" And him saying, "Oh well, it's only uh, five, ten thousand people. Who cares?" Um, I'm not I'm not saying that's right by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think I think the guy is in particular is tone deaf, um, and good. And Alphabet, as it is now, has organised itself in such a way that. These divisions are almost semi-autonomous, and uh, they they make their own decisions. I'm not justifying any of that because I still think it's horrible. But this is the penalty that we're going to pay 
by letting consumer electronics companies who have a really poor record on service and support and uh, long-term decision-making become more... Uh, put more electronic doodads on our devices and and we're gonna have there's gonna be more trouble like this as people come to rely on these services and then find they go away so do companies have a right david after you've spent money on a device do they have a right to intentionally turn that device off what's your rights as a consumer so let's forget about the connected devices let's let's say um, you, you have a, uh, I don't know, a car yeah. and the company decided that they're not going to support your car anymore, that it's not under warranty. They're not going to sell any parts to it. In fact, they're going to go so far, David, is to come to your house and take your keys, yes. which you cannot get exactly. it anymore. Yeah. They're going to completely disable yeah. that car. So now you have a car in your driveway. You can't even start that car. Do they have a right to do that? Well, now, you and I would say, and anybody would say, even a judge would say, of course not. They can't come in and take your keys. You bought the car. It's your car. They can't just take your keys and say, as a company, we're not supporting this, so you can't even drive your car anymore. Of course that would be illegal, yes? Why is this any less legal? Uh, It's because... Because this is a company that literally... Turned off a device. You cannot use this at all anymore. So what's next, Google? You decide, oh, you know what? We're not going to support this Android phone anymore. They just turn that phone off. Just turn it off. Well, they're used to doing that, unfortunately, and people suck it up. And this is why we need consumer protections, not just in the United States, but worldwide. We need to have worldwide protection against companies that could do something like this because it's... It, it cannot be left to their own devices whether they're going to continue to support something like this without compensating customers. So look, if you so if you buy a refrigerator, my, go ahead. Go here's ahead. my perception on this because, as you know, I spent a lot of time in both the states and and I live in the UK. I've always noticed. We always noticed when we first started going to the states that the the level of service you got from retailers was better than you would get in the state uh, get in the uk right right from when we first started going there in in the uk it's until relatively recently it was very difficult to get a no quibble return so if you go and buy something and you decide for whatever reason that you want to return it yeah that used to be incredibly difficult here you would go into a store and you would show the receipt and the things i want to return this and they would say why and if you didn't have a good reason such as it doesn't work or something like that they would really not want to take the return off you whereas in the u.s we always appreciated that you could just go and return it and, and companies just did it and it was fine however as over time i came to realize that one of the reasons that companies do that is because the actual level of uh, they do that on a goodwill and service basis, but the actual level of retail consumer protection and general corporate consumer protection in the U.S. is, in my opinion, weaker than we have here in the U.K. Here in the U.K., in, in those circumstances, you will be able to um, bring a claim against the company and you will be able to say the goods you sold me were not fit for purpose. We actually have that in a consumer protection law here. So if, if, the, if the service that, that supports something stops working, you can go and say um, it's not fit for purpose and you will probably win that case. And because of that, companies um, are much 
much more willing to compensate you if they withdraw a service or something like that. Whereas in the US, they're not. But in the US, basically, the attitude is, well, if you don't like it, you can sue. And if you get enough of you sue, then you can make a class case. But the problem with that, of course, is that that's very expensive and takes a long period of time. And in the meantime, you're left without – so most people don't bother. Yep. But we have to have consumer protections in the U.S. that's on par with what you have in the U.K., at the very least. And I think it needs to go farther than that, especially when it comes to these new devices, this new class of consumer products that are dependent on ostensibly computers being run by the company who sold you the product. There's got to be – and I'm not saying they have to, to, to support it forever – but there has to be a reasonable amount of time, and I don't think two years is a reasonable amount of time. I agree. But you live in a country where um, corporate interests and lobbying are quite happy to poison the water they sell you. Let alone. Well, that's a that's a whole different that's a whole different what a, what a, yeah. But I think unfortunately it's a facet of the same problem, which is your legislators have ver- um, are much more on the side of corporate finance and corporate greed than they are about consumer rights. Um, and and so you're not going to get the sort of legislation you're talking about. And, of course, this also goes to what we've been talking about the last two weeks, which was Disney abandoning um, the Disney Infinite updates on the Apple TV, ostensibly yeah, bricking that device for any of the new packs that come out that they promised just six months ago that we would have support for. And I was in an Apple store just a couple of days ago, and it's still being sold there yeah. next to the Apple TV. It's disgusting. I mean, yeah. I think there has to be much stronger consumer protection laws nowadays. We're entering in a whole new field that was never thought of when a lot of these consumer protection laws were put into place, and that's these connected services. That's these keeping it up to date so it continues to work. There's got to be a time frame where they're legally obligated to do so you know something along the lines of within you cannot turn off services to a a connected device unless it's uh, within five years of support being you know when you stop selling it so if you're so as well i think i think you have to you have to uh, – yes, you have to commit to a certain level of support after a period of time. Call it like a service warranty. But I think as well what you should also be be given is a reasonable amount of time, reasonable amount of communication and notice that service is going to be withdrawn to give you a chance to make alternative arrangements. Yeah, and that doesn't mean just yet. posting something on their website and hoping that your customers no, no, stumble across it. writing to you mm-hmm. just in the same way that they have to write to you with a motor vehicle recall. That means writing to you, explaining why the service is going away, and saying this is the alternative, giving you some sort of migration path. So for those who are out there considering buying some of these smart connected devices that rely on something more than just your local area network, something that's actually connecting to a service online to provide functionality. Look at the company you're going to buy from. No, <laughs> number one. I'd, I'd really say don't. I mean, as, as a gadget fan, I've looked at these devices. Yeah. But I really think given how much they cost and the functionality they provide, they're just a poor deal all round. Let this market mature. Don't go out and buy them today. Don't be the, don't be the corporate guinea pig. But 
if people aren't buying them today, David, the, it's not going to grow. They're going to stop doing it altogether. And these are type of devices that I would like to see come to the forefront, become what they should become, the standard. I, I don't want to retard the progression of technology simply because of this. So I think the companies that do it right, and I don't know who that is yet because it's still so early days. The companies that do it right shouldn't be punished for those who do it wrong. Google, in this case, Nest, is doing it 100% wrong. They screwed over their customers and they don't even care. They don't even care. They're like, yeah, whatever. We just turned it off. Yeah. What it comes down to is the companies that do it right, which are the small companies, the startup companies. But then they they get bought out. They, they need well. They need to resist that urge. They, they, well, that's know, easy to say. Google, but if you're a small ahead. company, David, and you're selling a three hundred dollar device, and it gets hot, you start selling a lot. That three hundred dollars might not last you five years of connected I think, services. I think if you're if you're really committed to changing, most of the people who who come up with these things, they want to change the world. If you want to change the world. Don't just become a corporate shill. Don't just sell the first time somebody waves a check under you. Because you, I don't believe there's anybody in the history of of corporate acquisition who genuinely believes what they're told when they when they you know because the first thing they say is well what about our customer base what are we going to do about and they come and go oh don't worry we'll we'll make sure they're looked after it's like nobody ever really believes that Mm-mm. they just go you know well you know what that that million two million dollars they've just given me um is going to let me forget about the fact that i know they're going to throw my customers on the bus in a few years time hello nokia you've just yeah you've just got to have some backbone and say look thanks very much for the offer guys but um, you know we believe in our product and we believe in our service and we want to continue to grow on our uh, timescales and our un- under our vision. Now, if you want, than- if you want examples of that, Evernote and Dropbox. Yeah, they're both still going strong. They both resisted that bid to buy them. They both had multiple offers, especially yeah. Dropbox, but they Tesla- resisted. They're still doing it. Tesla apparently was approached by Apple many years ago. Yep. And Elon Musk said no. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't. He said he wanted to do that. And let's face it, the Tesla wouldn't be where they are today if Apple owned them. No, Not they wouldn't they might be in a different place, but they wouldn't be where they are today. Yep, I agree. And look at Nokia. They took the money. What happened to their customers? What happened to Nokia? <laughs> Where's Nokia yeah. now? Where's Nokia now? Yeah. But again, it comes back to trust. Do you trust the device that you're going to use, that you're going to buy, that you're going to spend your hard-earned money on, that you're going to invest in setting up, and and you're going to trust this to control your lighting system or your thermostat or your baby monitor or your refrigerator or your car? Are you going to trust that that thing is going to stay working 10 years from now? Because that should be the benchmark, David, on a lot of devices. On a computer, no. Not, not too many people keep a computer for 10 years. <clears throat> but your refrigerator, your stove, your thermostat? Well, thermostat's cheap, but still. Well, that, that's well, part of the other problem. These, mod, these um, updated thermostats are not. A, a, an ordinary electronic digital thermostat... Uh, with timing controls on it is what thirty to fifty dollars. Yeah, a Nest is two hundred dollars. So you know they they're not cheap. Now ma- imagine Nest deciding. You know what? We're coming out with a new one. 
we're just going to turn off our old ones. Yeah. And it's January in Michigan. We're, they just turned it off. So my heater's not going to pop on now. My furnace isn't working. Can they do that? Well, according to NAS, they just did. They yeah. just did exactly that. I, I don't... I, I, to me, this is another reason that Google cannot be trusted. It's why I don't rely on an Android phone. Yeah. I use a lot of their services. We're using it right now for our show notes. But, but for whatever I, reason, you know... If it went away tomorrow, we could use something else. That's the difference. Exactly. Um, you know, we're not... It's, it's difference between running our home on it. Well, we're not using anything. David and I are, aren't using anything in our lives that are mission critical that we don't trust the company or the product that we bought. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that completely. I mean, Nissan burned me pretty bad a few months ago with their um, mess up with their the remote app they were running on their car. That's a good point. That's an excellent um, point. Yeah, you, know you get, and, kind and of got they, screwed there. They just, they just relaunched the app. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, I think it was the middle of last week, they said, oh, we fixed all the problems, everything like that. But there was no technical detail about how they fix their problems, so I'm not going to sign the backup for an account right now. Not until somebody independent has, has assured me they think the problems are fixed. I'm grabbing aspirin because the whole conversation's giving me a headache because it makes me so <laughs> angry. I'd love to hear what the, the listeners out there think. Do you trust these smart products that rely on online services? Can you trust them yet? My opinion, and obviously David's, is no. You cannot trust these online connected devices for the important things in your life, like a refrigerator or a stove or a furnace or your car. You can't trust them yet. These companies, they got to earn that trust, don't they, David? Isn't that the whole point of trust? You have to earn it. You don't. Yes. To me, you don't just get trust until you break it. You got to earn that trust. I think the problem is so many uh, companies nowadays, they're so obsessed with gimmicks and with um, fakery in their in their marketing and their corporate communications that actually, uh, you know, trust has become a, a pretty weak commodity to them. I, I think it goes deeper than that. I think they're more concerned about making Wall Street happy so the stock goes up two points in the next quarter and showing profitability over a sustained business that's doing the right thing for their customers. I think that's where it really starts and ends and everything else is dependent upon that. The marketing and all the trickery that you're talking about is done because of the stock price. It's done because of the CEO wanting to make sure that they do well. The stock price goes up and he gets a bigger bonus. That's where the problems are. Mm. So vote for Tim and David in the next election. We'll get this all <laughs> changed and turned around. Let's take a quick break, and uh, David and I will be right back. Hey, Siri. I'm looking for a new podcast. How about three geeky ladies? Well, I want to hear about technology. As I said, three geeky ladies. I want to learn about different types of apps and websites that will help me in my day-to-day -day life. Um, three geeky ladies fits the bill. A podcast that talks about new releases in Apple, like iCloud, Photos, new iPhones, and iPads. Oh, and El Capitan is coming out soon, right? As I've been saying, Three Geeky Ladies is what you want. Say, what about the Three Geeky Ladies podcast? 
That looks like exactly what I want. Thanks, Siri. Wow. 3D Key Ladies, a technology podcast from a female perspective. Find it on the Stoplight Network. Back here on the Tech Fan Podcast number 251, I'm Tim Robertson. He's David Cohen. We'd love to get feedback from you. Real easy to do. You can send us an email, the show at techfanpodcast.com, or hit us up on Twitter. It's at techfanpodcast, or on Facebook. We're there as well. Just do a search for techfan and you will find us. Uh, but the easiest way really is email or leaving a comment on one of the three websites that we post the show, mymac.com, the stoplight, well, stoplightnetwork.com, and of course, techfanpodcast.com. Your feedback is really important to us. I mean, we, we're, we're putting more of an effort and an emphasis on it the last uh, couple months here, David. We always were kind of lax about that. But we really do want your feedback. We do want to read it here on the show. You could send us something and say it's not for the show, and we won't read it on the show. Yeah. But we really do like to read your feedback on the show. Uh, we did get some. Uh, I got a link. I think it came in today. Uh, Mick Hamblin, longtime listener, uh, sent this to us via Twitter. Uh, and it, you know, he. let's be honest, Mick knows us very well at this point. <laughs> <laughs> He sent us a link. It's a Boing Boing article, and I'll put a, 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 a link in the show notes as well. It's crowdfunding for a new Commodore 64, but not just one, but two. A keyboard slash computer, which the whole thing's built into, into the keyboard, just like the regular six, uh, Commodore 64 from back in the 80s, as well as a portable handheld version of it. And uh, it's kind of interesting, to be honest. I, I don't know if I, I'm going to support it. I don't know if I really want it to be honest. It's like, meh. Well, they, the problem is crowdfund, crowdfunded this. It's on Indiegogo. Yeah. And, and the issue with crowdfunding, we've talked about this before, is you're, you're potentially plunking down a lot of money for something that may not end up looking anything like what you think you're getting. Yeah, if you um, want one, I think it's like 100 and. I think it's 150 bucks. $150 is the minimum. Yeah. 170 for the portable one. I've got to say, from from my quick look at the video, the portable one looks far more vaporware than the... Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. ...than the, uh, than the uh, Commodore 64 one. Um, the, I, look, this is a neat idea. The the difficulty I have with all of these, I've and I've seen a few of them before. There was one that came out last year that was for the uh, Sinclair Spectrum, which yeah. was a big... 8-bit computer here and and again it was the same thing it was going to be it would have all the games built in it was going to look exactly like a spectrum when it finally came out it was a hundred pounds 150 dollars for effectively a bluetooth keyboard that looked like a spectrum and then an app on the on your ios device yeah and i didn't think that was good value Mm-mm. um you know particularly as one of the things that that people appreciated about the spectrum was it it was very very cheaply built and the, as a keyboard, it sucks. It was horrible. It was a horrible rubber membrane thing. Um, so actually, using that as a, uh, a as a as a as a Bluetooth keyboard was not really a great idea. Um, similarly, with this, with the Commodore, this looks. I mean, the Commodore sixty four always was a very nice built, nicely built computer. But really, if you're going to play game, Commodore sixty four games, you don't need the full keyboard. No. 
Yeah. So I don't understand why they go to the expense of, except for the nostalgia value of trying to recreate the Commodore 64 keyboard. And let, case. Uh, let's be honest. You could you could emulate a Commodore 64 in a website. Yeah. And play games on a web page using your whatever you got right now. I I the, the difficulty with this in in the you know we're in the age now of these little tiny computers and Arduino microcontrollers, which means you can pretty much interface anything to anything. You could do this um, in a different way by picking Raspberry up Pi. Putting a Raspberry Pi in there. Didn't you Didn't you say you bought a Raspberry Pi? I have yeah, I have two. I've got the um, I've got the BB the, the the model two, and then I've got the zero, which is the new the yeah. new tiny five dollar one. Um, and actually, I've posted a link here in the show notes to somebody who's taken one of those, the Raspberry Pi Zero, uh, and put it in a three D printed um, Game Boy case with a little tiny screen, uh, and they made like a, a functional little um, game. They call it the Game Boy Zero. Um, but it, of course, it's got a full color LCD screen on it, and it actually plays um, lots lots of other games rather than just old Game Boy games. And it just goes to show that you know how. In fact, they've even put the uh, they've even put the uh, the zero the uh, micro SD adapter into a, a a Game Boy cartridge, so you can put your uh, your uh, cartridge in there and then put it into the you put your SD card into the cartridge. Put it in the back of the Game Boy and then kind of fire up your games. It's it's really very very cool. You know what's um, neat about the RetroPie and the community, and I still haven't bought one, and I'm going to. Um, but what I really like about the RetroPie is people come up with these really cool things, and they release the software for it yeah. online. A lot of them do. Most of them do. Hey, if you want to build this, here's the software. I, I put a link to it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a great community to really start getting into. And, and as, as a bit of an aside, you know, I, I've talked before about how I'd like um, a, a cocktail arcade cabinet. Yeah. I actually saw um, in the Raspberry Pi newsletter last month a very, very cool little hack, which where somebody given the instructions where you can buy a cheap IKEA table uh, and cut, cut bits out of it. And basically, you can put a, a Raspberry Pi, uh, a set of joysticks in there, and a, and a, and a cheap lcd tv into the base of it and turn it into a cocktail arcade cabinet for for peanuts compared to what you spend to a full a proper full-size one yep um you know so you can do amazing things with this stuff now i know that it involves a lot of work and a lot of um effort and and a lot of skill versus buying something like this which is you know a recreated comedy 64 but i think you and i appreciate that the market for this is tiny it is um, and the ch- and, and the risks associated with a crowdfunding product project getting something manufactured and built and, and into people's hands is really quite high and um while i appreciate the effort behind it and the and the skill behind it and Lord knows I could not go to China and get these things manufactured and built and put together reliably. And I think these guys have some track record. You know, I just I just wonder how big the, you know, the, it seems to me this there's too much nostalgia factor in, in this and perhaps not enough practicality. Well, I think that's kind of the whole point of the device. I mean, people yeah, want, you know, we're at the age now where the things that we were into as kids and teens when it comes to technology and computers and games are trivial to recreate using modern hardware and why not it's a fun little thing and then you see they are selling a commodore 64 and oh that's cool it's only 150 bucks you know what i'll do i'll buy that 
I, I, I still think a lot of people that would get into this might be willing to risk 150 bucks to get one. Maybe. Maybe. Because I think um, it's, it's, it's like you said, man, it's, it's a nostalgia factor. I mean, it's such a huge pull. It really is. Look, we listen to the 80s music, right? And it always takes you back to the 80s. You know all the lyrics. You could sing along if you wanted to, although <clears throat> most people don't want to hear me sing, um, including my kids. But nostalgia is a very powerful thing. And right now, the nostalgia is, it seems to me anyways, is kind of that 80s, early 90s type of stuff. That's that's the big pull because it's people that are in their late 30s to 50s that remember it. Yeah. And we've got a little bit more disposable income. So 150 bucks, meh. But you know what? I'm looking on eBay here. You can pick up an old Commodore 64 very cheap, and there are hundreds of solutions to let you put ROMs from SD cards onto that original Commodore 64. Yep. So if if I wanted to do this, I'd be very tempted to do that rather than and actually run a real Commodore 64 rather than a rebuilt one. There's actually some very, very neat solutions here that basically plug straight into the ports on the Commodore 64 and the SD card looks to the Commodore 64 like a, like a disk drive and you can load all your games up that way. A whole lot faster than the old way too. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. I've got, you know, years ago, Chad Perry and I, turned a Atari 2600 into a Macintosh. Mm -hmm. um, it was a four-part video series that we did for MyMac.com. It was fun. It was really cheesy. We did a really bad job of workmanship, but it actually worked. You know, you, you hit the power button on the Atari 2600 and it would turn on the Mac. Uh, you hit the eject button and part of the little faux uh, front plate of the 2600 actually popped out and there was a CD-ROM drive. Mm -hmm. So it was a fun project. Um, you know, we had a lot more ambitions for the project than we were able to do with our constraints at the time. I think I would do a much better job now. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. And I have no idea where I was going with my comments there. I got distracted. I was just saying that I, I think I think the um, the effort associated with that is almost the reward. Oh, to me, it totally was. I mean, yeah. it, and it wasn't even that. At the end of the day, we had this thing that worked. I still have it. I it's I own it still. I never got rid of it. Yeah. It's not worth anything. No. But the problem. Chad yeah, and I built this together and had a lot of fun. That, oh, that's, that's that's the to me that's yeah. the whole thing. You don't get that with buying something off the shelf from uh, from a Kickstarter company. No, that's, that's why I build well. these mini arcades. Yeah. But the other thing as well, and, and you and I, as as both lovers of, of nostalgic technology and people who've invested time and money in old stuff, is that the memory of these things is better than the reality of them. Yeah, sometimes. So games you remember playing on the Commodore 64... Yeah, when you actually play them again on the Commodore 64, they're often not quite as good, and they don't look they don't look quite as you remember them, and they don't play quite as you remember them. And actually, these nostalgic devices, the sort of things that might get, they often might get fired up when you first get them, and they're never looked at again. A lot of times, I would agree with that. Um, the flip side of that, though, is, you know, I put the 60 in one in my Super Pac-Man arcade machine, replaced the monitor with an LCD. 
I haven't turned it off in three months. And at least yep. once a day, I play a game on it, if not multiple games. I use that arcade all the time. I play Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, uh, Burger Time more than the others. I play games on there all the time. I love it. I play that more than I play any current console. And I've got a PS4, David. But what do I go to when I wanted a quick fix for a video game? My arcade. And here's the thing. I built that. I put it together. But I would suggest perhaps... Perhaps you're not the most regular. Oh, I wouldn't. I, 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 I would totally agree. I, look, I'm the guy that has 20 video game consoles on display behind me right now. Yeah. I've got two, three arcade machines in this room. So, yes, I'm obviously not representative of our generation when it comes to nostalgia. But that being said, if you're really nostalgic for something, you're really into it, spend a little bit of money. Or yeah. put a little effort into it. If you like 80s music, make a really cool 80s playlist of all the favorite songs you've ever liked. You know, invest in in, our, in, a, in a little mini arcade like I did. And, and I'm not talking about my big ones. When I say I've got three arcades, that's just the big ones. I've got three small ones, too. <laughs> but to me, it is about building it. When I, when I built the little mini Donkey Kong with the kids, so much fun. Now, granted, I did 99% of the work. But getting them involved in it was fun. And that was the fun part. It does help at the end of the day that you've got this thing that you can actually use, whether it's a Commodore 64, an arcade game, an old computer like David resurrecting an old MacBook. There, there's value in those things. You know, and going back to the, the main topic for this whole show, this trust factor, I have more trust in building something from scratch or off the shelf parts to have this thing when I'm done. I trust that I'm going to enjoy it more than just going out and buying a PS4. Yeah, that's where my trust is. You know, trust in yourself, trust in your ability, trust in your ability to be able to find the information online to help you build this thing. I didn't know how to build an arcade when I started. I researched. I watched some videos. I, I read some articles. And I still had problems that I couldn't find a solution to online. Maybe because I wasn't typing in the right question. But I figured it out. And I think anybody listening to this has that ability to figure it out. Find out that thing that you're going to trust, that you're going to put your time and effort in. Maybe it's playing a guitar. Maybe you've always wanted to play guitar and I don't know, you're a, a, a 45 year old woman. Your kids have moved out of the house and you want to learn how to play the guitar. It's what you've always wanted to do. Now's the time to do it. Trust in yourself that you have the passion to do it. And it's not yeah. going to cost a lot of money. Trust no, in yourself. Don't trust in these big companies to give you, to force feed you this thing and that you have to spend all this money on. Trust in yourself and your ability and your passions. That's what I respect, David. That's what I like. Try to live my life by. There's a there's a great TV show that's on here at the moment. It's uh, presented by James May from Top Gear. Yeah, um, and it's called The Reassembler. Yeah, I've, so I've watched does, that. Yeah, so he takes takes um, for anyone who's not seen it, he takes um, a device, uh, an object, and he 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 has it all in pieces and he puts it all back together over half an hour uh, and it gives you an opportunity to understand how the thing works yeah uh, it's, it's a lot of fun yeah and the, the one he did on the electric guitar 
was the first time I'd ever really understood how the electric guitar works. It was really good. There's been a couple episodes it was like wait, watching paint dry, though. <laughs> hey, maybe that's what he's going to do next, is reassemble the painting wall. <laughs> so I hope that, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, I kind of hope that we inspired somebody to uh, give something a try. Or if you've already invested in it, that just David and I talking about this maybe inspires you to uh, to continue on, not to give up, to keep putting the time. Maybe you're not getting great at the guitar yet. Keep up. Keep it going. Just because you're 45 years old doesn't mean you can't learn a new skill, especially if you've always had a passion for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, last thing before we wrap up, you remember Sean Parker. He's the guy who started uh, MySpace way back in the day. He was also one of the very first in, investors and helped launch Facebook. Uh, smart guy, um, mm -hmm. but he's got a lot of backers. Uh, I don't think he's actually as smart as most people would think, to be honest. Um, yeah. But he's got a new idea, and it's really pissing off the movie theaters owners. Yeah. And he wants to release... Um, basically first run movies. So for instance, in like three weeks, the movie that I'm looking forward to more than any other, the whole year, Captain America, civil war is coming out and everything I've read looks like it's going to be a great movie. The only issue that I have is I have to pack the kids up and go to a movie theater to watch this. And it's going to cost me with popcorn and drinks and tickets. It's going to cost me 40 bucks, maybe 50, right? And, of course, there's going to be a big crowd. And hopefully we'll get good seats, because if we don't, Cole's probably going to be sitting someone that's taller than him, and he won't be able to see the whole screen. Yeah. And, of course, maybe you'll get the jerk. Did I tell you about what happened at Batman Superman? No. We're sitting there halfway through the movie, not even halfway, and there's a guy kept getting up and talking to these other people. Now, they look like they, they were probably his kids, but they were adult. He's an older gentleman, probably 60. And he sat two rows ahead of us, but over to the right in another aisle. And he turns on his cell phone and is checking websites with a super bright screen right there. Well, I rotted up a napkin and threw it and landed right in his lap. Mm -hmm. He turned around to see who threw it. And he sees me looking right at him, glaring yeah. at him. He turned off his phone. Yeah. Ticked me off. So that brings me to... This story of what Sean Parker is looking to do, which is you buy a box, David, it's going to be like 150 bucks and you can rent first run movies the day they come out in theaters in your home for 50 bucks a pop. Now at first, David, I thought $50, that's crazy, but is it, is that really too much for a, a, a first run movie that's just hit the theaters like Captain America Civil War, would I spend 50, forget about the 150 bucks box. That's, yeah, that's just the entry fee, right? Would I spend a hundred, uh, would I spend 50 bucks to watch Capital, Captain America Civil War the day it comes out? Honestly? Yeah, I probably would. And there's probably a good three or four movies in a year that I would spend that much money on because maybe like you, maybe like the listeners, I like watching movies at home on my flat panel much more than I like going to a theater. I can't stand going to a movie theaters anymore. I hate it. It's well, just they, a they, terrible they, experience. 
So here's here's the problem. I mean, the movie theaters obviously are not fans of this, and there's a lot of debate about this idea. Some movie producers and directors think it's a good idea, and others don't. Um, the issue I have with the, something that goes along with this, and and something that you kind of goes along with that story you just mentioned. There's a story this week from the chairman of AMC, who said that they were thinking about having special millennial screenings for people who wanted to be able to text while they were watching the movie and, they, and there was immediately there was a huge public backlash from people saying this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard and everything and they very quickly rode back from it and said no we hear you we understand we're not going to allow texting in our movie theater. Yeah, it was actually the Alamo, Dra- Alamo Draft House who just said that I thought well, uh, they, well the Alamo have, have had a long standing policy but this was AMC this was a big corporate chain were con- said they were considering this and then they very quickly went back and when they realised how negatively it was being portrayed and they said no Right now, this is the issue that um, the movie ch- the, the movie industry fails to realise. Yeah, they're trying to protect their old business model, and no, not the movie industry, the theatre industry. There's well, the there's those two things are they separate. Are, they are separate, but they uh, they actually kind of I think they they feed off each other. They well, are less less and less than it used to be. Uh, I don't so think I don't think the studio systems have any allegiance to the theatres anymore. Uh, what they do have, though, is allegiance to uh, their deals. And well, deals. sure, they have to. Yeah, and and they also have. I think they have allegiance. They have, they have they still have this idea about movies being events, and, and it's a, to me, it's a thing that's that's poisoning. No, is, no, uh, I think the, you're wrong. I think they have a, a allegiance to how much money they can make from the investment, and if that means we're going to stream first run movies to people's house, and we'll make a lot more money than hoping that people will pack a whole family up to go see Civil War, then I think they're going to jump on the streaming service. Yeah, they, 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 you know what? I'm, I, don't, I don't think that will ever happen. Because I, ramp, oh, abs- absolutely ramp, it will. The ramp up will be too slow. No, I disagree with you. I guarantee... Let, let's make a bet right now. need to cut over that $300 million that Batman vs. Superman makes the first week, mm-hmm. or however much it was... Yeah, you have to. You have to basically. The streaming services were bringing on money of that magnitude before they're prepared to. Um, no, to compromise what the theaters want, and what the theaters want is first run no. exclusivity. No, I so think I, you're I, wrong. I think you're wrong. I think you're still thinking about the way it was run before, and it's not anymore. And the theaters and Batman Superman is a prime example. They're not making the money in the second week and the third week. And it's because of the investment that people don't want to go to the movies. Movies are still making a lot of money now, but it's down over 70% on how many people went to the movies just 20 years ago. More and more people are staying at home. Yeah, that this is this is the issue, and then the issue with millennials and texting is that you're not you're not going to bring those people back to the theater because you allow texting. You're only going to bring people back to the theater when it's not so damn expensive. And that and, brings me back to why wouldn't this work? Why do you think that movies, the the the, the studios, wouldn't want a device that is 150 bucks that they're not going to see any of that, but to rent the movie is 50 bucks. Well, they're, they're they're immediately going to say, "Well, we have no." They, they're seeding control at that point, and and I think the other thing as well, this this thing is just basically going to allow first run piracy to happen. That's happening That's already. 
Well, it's not really. If you look at if you uh, as somebody who spent a bit of time looking through BitTorrent, let me tell you, right? If you want to go and see a first run movie that's out in the theaters at the moment, you can watch it today, but you'll watch it via somebody who basically cabbed it, mm-hmm. and they pointed a camera at a screen whether in a theatre or whether they got a private screening or whether they, they stole a print or borrowed a print and they did it in this projection booth or something, it's not a good quality. The sound will be bad, the picture will be bad. As soon as the thing comes out on DVD, then high-quality rips appear everywhere. It's kind of yeah. like the music industry, I think, David, in that no one thought anybody would pay for music because everyone was downloading it for free with Napster online. Well, where's Napster now? And where's the company that popularized paid music? Apple. Where's iTunes now? Who yeah, won? The, the, uh, yeah, but the issue with that model is that everyone is now of the opinion that Apple did the music industry over. They offered them a deal. They didn't realize how much control they were they were giving up, and Apple took a big slice of their change. And the movie industry is desperately desperately frightened of that yes and which is why why netflix has had to start moving away from streaming movies over their service to making their own content because basically they can't get the content they want anymore right the price they want to pay yeah i guarantee you it's incredibly conservative and i guarantee they won't embrace this they won't let out they'll fight it tooth and nail well let's make a bet yeah yeah whoever loses has to do the podcast in the nude two years from now (laughs) Hey, I'm doing the podcast with you now. <laughs> I know I can smell it. Um, I think within two years, not only will this or a device like it be available, I think it will be embraced by the movie industry and you'll be able to stream, let's say by twenty, the beginning of 2018, Okay. that this will be a big deal. And I say that, and I'm very confident in my prediction, because the movie theaters suck oh, that on that we can agree and people don't want to go anymore no, I, and I, hollywood I, is not going to stop making movies david they're not so they need no. people to watch their movies and where do people want to watch their movies just look at the amount of money that uh movies make in dvd blu-ray and downloadable content compared to a theater it's there's no comparison anymore it makes a lot more money once it's released on video the theater is the marketing channel. Basically, if you, if it, if it didn't oh, run the no, theater, they don't. No, no it it's is. not. Not even if, a little bit. If the theater, if they, I've never seen an advertisement theater. to say, "Come to our movie theater to see this movie." Never. No, but what I'm saying is, is you would not get big DVD sales for a movie if it hadn't already run in the theaters. Sure, you and would. All the promotion associated. Absolutely, with you would. Absolutely, you would. I don't. I don't believe so. Oh, I think I, so I, because I, you're, I, you're not. It, it's. There would be no difference in Batman, Superman, or Star Wars, whether it came out on a device like what Sean Parker's talking about and proposing, compared to the movie theaters. The, the marketing would not have changed at all. And that's not what I'm saying. Stream it on such I mean, and such you, date. You said, oh, look at how much DVD and, and after sales make after it's out in the theaters. What I'm saying is the sales on – forget about the Sean Parker thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're right. You're right. It will make less money. But here's the deal. It will make more money during the rental-only period, the streaming-only period. It will. It will – movie theaters will see – or I'm sorry, studios will see three times – the people watching and paying for first run content than they would have 
sticking with the current system. Batman Superman would have made twice as much. We'll see. I'm not convinced. I, I am totally convinced this is the future. It's already been happening. It's already happening. The problem is it's been happening with B and C list movies on on demand. Well, that's the other problem with the current system with B and C list movies. I wanted to go and see. Um, there's a movie at the moment called Hardcore Henry. Mm-hmm. You heard about this film? Yeah, so it's first person. Yeah, first person is kind of kind of like watching a video game. It's the sort of film that kind of I know it's very violent. I know it's got Russian uh, violence in it. It's sort of thing that kind of appeals to me i thought i'd go and see this week while i was away because i'm working away it was uh they wanted 13 pounds for a movie ticket so that's nearly 20 dollars yeah and i looked at that and said no way not right. not for it not for a um, a movie i'm not desperate to see right absolutely no way right yeah and that's the problem that the movie theaters need to fix but they're not going to because they, to, yeah. they have to invest in new technology and new ways to get you, you know to what? come in, which means Don't. they need to have premium seats. They need to have need to better food. They do. The problem. They, 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 they're so hooked on investing on, in gimmicks. No, 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 no. I, I'm not talking about the gimmicks of the movies. I'm talking about no, in I'm the theater. Digital protection, projection, new sound systems, yeah, vibrating seats, premium seats. All these things. Nobody wants any of this crap. Right? Well, well, some of they they do. I do out. want premium seats. I, I don't want my legs falling asleep halfway through because the what, seat make sucks. All, make all the seats better and don't charge and charge the same price for all of them. You've never the been seat. into a, a premium theater, have you? There's a huge difference going into a theater where it has plush seats, plenty of leg room. You don't. Yeah. You have a good seat no matter where you are. You know what? Better food. Used to be alcohol. Thirty years ago, yeah. All all movie theaters used to be like that, and they've just cheaped out. And now they go, oh, nobody comes to see the the things in the movie anymore because it's too expensive and it sucks. What right. they need to do is bring the overall level of quality up. Yes, price is down and stop no. doing the, the constant upsell, upsell, upsell. No, That's you're, you're agreeing with me. You yeah. need a better experience. Better experience for everybody. Right. Not, not a well. There's a crappy experience <clears> unless you pay more money. Exactly. I'm willing to pay more money in, when I get better service than sitting in a shitty theater where there's a whole bunch of people making a lot of noise. I want a theater that's policed by the people that by the theater company that has ushers in there. And when someone opens their phone, they're on it immediately. I want better food. I want better seats. I want a better screen and a better sound system. I want a premium experience for the amount of money that I'm willing to pay. What I think they need to do is bring the overall level of quality up without jacking up the price. But they can't do that. They're already losing money. These theaters are – they're not running on a lot of money. Less people are going to the theaters now, David. That's why I'm going to win this bet, and you're going to no. podcast naked. The reason the reason that uh, less people are going is because it's it, it, they're sick of the upsell. What they need to do is bring the quality the same for everybody, the price the same for everybody. That's the way it used to be. And stop trying to... But but you keep trying to go back in time. We have better televisions now than they had then. Absolutely. We have better sound systems. We have internet streaming. Yeah, exactly. and you're it's competing. not competing in a vacuum anymore, David. Yeah, but you're, competing, you're competing with... It's not, it's not the technology. 
that makes the difference is the environment you watch the movie in. And if you exactly. make the environment that you watch the movie in nicer, then few people will say, you know what, I'll just stay at home and wait for it to come on Netflix. But there's more than that. It's it's. Can I can that. pause it when I'm at home and to go take a leak, and I'm not going to miss ten minutes of the movie. That's that's a separate. That's a separate. No, thing. it's all together. It's part of the experience. You're to, you're mixing up the 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 quality of the experience versus the convenience of the experience. It's always going to be more convenient to watch it at home. It's always going to be cheaper to watch it at home. But if you want more people to come into the theaters, what they've got at the moment, what they do is less people come to the theaters, so they figure out another way to charge the people who do come more. Yeah, and they keep doing that and keep that, and that is a, a death spiral. You, I they, totally agree. So you have to make the theaters better. Make the theatres better, but you can't do that by continually increasing the prices. You've basically got to clear out a lot of the rubbish that they do now. Yeah, they've got to bring their cost base down, and they've got to make the general quality of the experience better for the same price for everybody. Well, the problem is every time they make something better, suppose your average multiplex has got 10 screens in. They'll make two premium ones where the floor isn't sticky and the seats are nicer and more comfortable and that sort of thing. And then what they'll do is they'll charge, well, there's an extra $4 to go into that one. No, because people just won't. And if you're still in the death spiral when you're competing with value add, value add to nickel and dime the people you're getting through the door. And what yet companies like the Draft House is doing bang up business because they offer a premium experience. The tickets cost more. The food is better. They have alcohol. They have plush seating. They have state of the art audio and sound. They have exactly what you're talking about. You can't build a premium experience for the mass market. The mass market won't buy it. The mass market just... That's exactly my point. That's why this streaming service is going to work, because Hollywood still wants to produce these movies, David. The theaters are never going to upgrade to the way you say they are. They're not going to invest the money because they don't have the money. They're getting less and less. People into the theaters. They're not going to. It's never going to happen. They're not going to. They're not going to. But they're not going to. They don't have the money. Of course they've got the money. No, they don't have the money. That's just it, David. They don't have the money. They're making less money than they ever did before. So, so you borrow some money and you invest. and the, Who's going to loan them the money? The banks? They're going to look at this yeah. business, business model and go, no freaking way. Because it's competing with the internet. It's competing with DVD. It's competing with streaming services. It's competing with Netflix and YouTube. Uh, There's okay. way too many things for people to do for their entertainment dollars nowadays. There's way too much content. Daredevil on Netflix is one of the best things I've ever watched. It's awesome. It's better than almost every movie that's come out recently. And I guess think, what? It cost me 15 bucks a month. I think the the difference is is that people would get... But I, I think given the choice, a lot of people enjoy going to the movie theater. If it didn't suck and it wasn't so expensive. Well, let's let's ask our listeners. If you have the choice, let's say you've already invested 150 bucks, or let's just say the box is free, okay? You have a box in your home. When Captain America Civil War comes out, you can spend $45 for you, your wife, or your husband, and one or two of your kids. And even 45 bucks isn't going to cover that, by the way. But let's just say 45 bucks, okay? You get to go to the theater, as it is today. Ah, uh, well, no, that's not... Or a premium... Real nice theater, 45 bucks. Or you could stay home, watch it at home for 50 bucks. Yeah. Which one would you rather do? I bet most people would rather stay home and watch it. I think because here's I, the flip side of that. I said 
45 bucks for a family of four, right? It's not. Tickets are at least 10 bucks. No, so well, you're, you're at change, 40 you're right change, then. You're changing the ground rules now. No, I'm not. Because if, change, if the I'm, price... I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about... I'm not arguing that theatres today are worth going to see. I've just told you. I had the opportunity to do that myself this week, and it was too expensive, and I didn't go. Because I know theatres suck. What I'm saying is, I think if the theatre experience was better, was not as expensive, people, given the choice, if you put them on a parity in terms of cost, I think people would still prefer to watch a movie in the theatre than they would at home. I don't think so. I, I think there is a generation that would have agreed with you. I think that that has changed. I think that anybody born after 1985 would rather stay at home and watch. I don't think they want to go to a theater. I think the theaters were, were decent, they would do. But if they're decent, it's going to cost more. That's just economics. I, I, that I, I'm, unfortunately, I just refuse to believe. I think what they're doing is they're just scraping as much profit they can out of the fewer people. The only while, theaters that are doing really well... A strategy to bring more feet through the door. Well, because they don't have the money. Because less people are going. So you're what? you're asking a business to invest in the future. I, I think that's a great idea, yeah. except that future is in peril because of stuff like what Sean Parker's coming up with. And his idea isn't a brand new idea. This it's been floated around for a long time. The it's difference is premium Netflix. Sure. Yeah. But but the the difference is they're seeing their profitability in first run movies in theaters where 90% of the theaters are not up to snuff. People don't like going to them. They're grudgingly going to them because that's the only way you're going to see Captain America or Batman or Star Wars before it's spoiled for you online. They have to go. And it's something they have to put up with. Where if you gave them the choice, you can watch it at home, streaming, for this amount of money, that if you're single like when you're on the road david it would make no sense to spend 50 bucks to see hardcore henry that's too much no i agree <clears throat> i made that choice and i decided i will wait till i can get it electronically and i'll watch it on my ipad exactly and no. but here's but, the difference but I'm, what I'm you're used to going to a theater to see these and you think that companies should invest in making it a better experience for the masses they're not going to do that they are simply not going to do that. And that's what's happening. That's my point. That's why I say that what Sean Parker's coming out with is going to work, is going to happen, and Hollywood will get behind it because they want to make money. And if the money is people watching at home versus theaters, watch exactly how, where, their, where their loyalties lie. It's not going to be in these... AMC chains, that's not where their loyalty is. Their loyalty is going to be the dollar or the pound or the franc or whatever it is. That's where the loyalty is going to lie. There is no franc anymore. There's no yeah. euro. Euro, I know. So what's going to happen? This is going to succeed. Movie theaters are going to become a thing of the past as they are today. The only theaters you're going to be able to go to watch first one or movies is going to cost more. It's going to be a premium experience. It's going to be awesome to go and see a movie. And it's going to be an event. The Alamo Draft House type of places. That's what's that's the future. It's already happening. You you can already see that 
happening now. It, there's no, to me, there's no question. It's, I'm arguing of what is actually happening and you're arguing what should happen. Yeah. I, I agree. I think if they invested it, maybe they could turn it around. I don't think so. I think it's too far gone. I think it's too late. So that's not going to happen. What I suggest is should happen is what's going to happen. When you get people like Steven Spielberg and JJ Abrams backing Sean Parker's thoughts here, I think that's kind of a strong indicator of where Hollywood in general is going. They want to make money. They want you to consume their product. This is the way it's going to be in the future. It's going to be in your home and they're going to make their money. And, and there's nothing that the theaters can do about it. There's oh, well, nothing. There is, there is something they can do about it. They could follow the, my plan. But they're not going to. Well, that, that's, that, so there is something they could do about it. They're just not going to do it. That's a different argument. Well, but I still, I'm not convinced that your plan would work. Because I think most people nowadays that's, like I said, born after 85, they don't like going to the theater. Yeah, you've got to make them like going to the theater. But then they'll come back to the theater. But, but it's not going to happen. That's if if nobody does anything, then it's not going to happen. You're I absolutely on that. I agree completely with you. I'm saying is I think they could turn it around. I, I don't I think, think they, they can could get. I think I think the movies that are being shown today are movies that people want to watch in theaters. What they don't want to do is go to horrible theaters where they have to pay a lot of money. And so so you know one of our to, local cineplexes, the one in the mall here, Lakeview yeah. Square Mall, is shut down right now because they're upgrading their seats and equipment and stuff. They made a big splash about this. Oh, we're doing an upgrade. Come back and see us in however many months. Nobody cares. Nobody really cares anymore. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's a, there's a good market example, but the thing is they'll come back and they'll have jacked the prices up to cover the cost of the upgrade. Yeah, exactly. And again, Sometimes, sometimes you have to you have to invest your profits, yeah, to see a long term return. Very nineteen fifties of you, David. Unfortunately, companies well, don't do that anymore. I think that's basic economics. I yeah. agree with you one hundred percent there, but in a lot of respects, I would yeah. I would say that's what companies should do. But yeah, I think theaters market, at this point, I think yeah, it's too late for the average if multiplex. Market, if your market is shrinking. Yeah, and people aren't coming to see. You've got to take a long, hard look at yourself and say, why don't people want to come here anymore? And then you've got to do something about it. And the movie, I completely agree. It doesn't matter whether it's Sean Parker's thing or Netflix or or something else or Apple TV or something else. If theaters don't do that, they will die because fewer and fewer people will come, and the, and and they will reach a tipping point where um, they just can't afford to stay open. I, I think Hollywood's given them ample opportunity to change their business. And it's not happening, and Hollywood is sick of waiting, and the streaming first-run movies is going to happen. It's already too late. The first, the first time one of those services actually gets the deals from big Hollywood, I completely agree with you. I'm just not, I'm not convinced that your average Hollywood exec who wants to churn out constant sequels all the time has necessarily has the business vision to see that either. But we'll see. Yep. Time will tell. We'd love to get your feedback on this, the show at techfanpodcast.com or go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a comment there or on Twitter and Facebook. And I already said what those addresses are earlier in the show. What's your thoughts? Am I right? Is David right? Is it a combination? Is it neither? Let us know. 
love to hear your thoughts. Do you still like going to the movies? I like going to watch the movies. I just hate the experience. The experience sucks. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with David? Are we both right? Are we both wrong? Let us know. We really, really do want to know. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. I know we went long, but it was worth it. Well, yep. I'll tell you if it's worth it once my wife comes down and yells at me. Uh, I'm getting yelled at too. So. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week, David. <laughs>